Ladies and gentlemen, greetings, welcome back to Real Good Podcast. We are on episode 16? 17? I'll cut out whichever number it is. Ross is nodding at me, I don't know why. Um, we'll give you an advance warning, ladies and gents. Unfortunately, the audio today has been provided by um, two metal cups and a piece of string. So if you struggle to hear us today, we apologise. We'll wait for our technician, Tom, to get back um, next week because he's missed. Unfortunately, we've had to replace him. Um, some of you might know him. Some of you might have him on a wanted list, um, but we love him secretly. We just don't like to talk about it. Um, it's Adam Gennard. Say hello, Mr. Mr. Gennard. All right, guys. Long time no speak, not to speak. <laughs> well, it's funny is we genuinely can't see him, so I don't know what he looks like anymore. Um, I could. I got him on the streets. I'm just, <laughs> just, just stole somebody's stuff just for this, and then I'm going to give him back. Just hustling, just hustling. Um <laughs> But then joining us um, in his merry, enthusiastic spirit, um, folks, if you could see this man's face beaming at six minutes past 11 at night, you would know his enthusiasm levels are flying through the roof. Um, it's Ross Eagle, the Sleeping Beauty. Say hello, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Ross is the one who's currently got um, a cushion covering his mouth, so that's why I might sound a bit muffled. So if you listen really closely, you might hear him moan a little bit more than usual. Um, folks, we're going to wing it this week because it's gone a bit iffy. So we're just going to start off blindly because that's how we roll. Um, Ross, if you can, share with the with the group today what news has caught your eye this week. Blade and Fuse? If it finally got to Ross seeing it and he saw Wolverine said it was like, oh that's nice. <laughs> we should do that as a feature. We should do that as a special event. Ross review <laughs> Ross's commentary. I don't think I don't think we did though, did we? I don't think we enjoyed it as a as a populace, did we? No, no. It's, the first one was great, but yeah. So apart from that, I don't know. What, what have you guys got? Well, in truth, it's been a bit limp this week, and it news wise. Um, I've seen the Star Wars thing, and I read the Zach Galifianakis thing. Um, it's interesting you bring that up, really, because of all the people out of, of the real good podcast posse, um, the one man who's made who makes his cameos. Um, Who's in tonight? He's he, you're quite a big fan, aren't you, Buck, of the first one anyway? Yeah, yeah. But 
I can hand on heart say I've not seen the second, the next two that followed it. So, am I missing out, or...? Um, basically, number two is change Vegas to Bangkok, and you've got the same film. Great. So, that one no, ties that one up nicely. And then, number three goes off on somewhere where... I just don't think they had really much of a clue what I was going to do with it, so they're just like... Throw some random shit together and put John Goodman in there, and then I was like, yeah, that'll do. That's about it, really. That's all you're missing out, I think. I mean, it's, I think I think they were just sort of money vehicles, weren't they? Really? Oh, oh yeah. Any franchises, realistically, but they that's like the biggest R-rated comedy. Well, it's the most successful R-rated comedy, I think, at the time, and it's one of the most successful comedy franchises. But yeah. it, they were, from what I could tell, they were awful. From what I read, um, which makes yeah, you think, like, yeah. if he's finally owning up to it, is that him basically? Sort of underhandedly admitting, yeah, you know what, I was just in it for the money. Pretty much. You can't really blame him for that. But I, I just remember I saw, um, as Parker said, the second one was just the first film again. But then when I saw the third one in the cinema, it was like Todd Phillips thought, I've made two comedies, oh, I've made quite a few comedies in the whole my career, I've got loads of money, I want to do something else. And uh, just in my opinion, the third one's not a comedy. Listen, I must have laughed maybe once or twice, if that. Yeah. I can't even remember the plot. I think it was when yeah, it's true. Uh, the guy, uh, I forgot his name, escaped. And it's a chow. Chow, that's it. <laughs> it was like a bit of a heist film from memory. I can't remember. Yeah, there's like gold trapped in the brick yeah. wall of a mansion. That was it, that was it. And it was just a bit like, you sold it to me. As a comedy, yeah, you've made a different type of genre. Yeah. And, and again, I can't blame Tom Phillips for that, but then don't make another Hangover, make a different film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, would, I wouldn't waste too much time seeing it stand up. I might just watch the first one over and over. Mm. It's good. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, just, just leave the original as it is, and then the other two just burn. <laughs> just burn them burn them in the streets um, speaking of other sequels because god we can't get rid of them um, Taron Egerton's re- recently spoken out about Kingsman 2 because um, he's been interviewed yeah, for the whole sort of um, Eddie the Eagle film that he's turning up in that turned up at Sundance um, and they were sort of explaining that it will actually go international this time which would mean and I can remember reading back a while ago that they were planning to get like American agents this time in Um who would you like to see in terms of his sort of, not doppelganger, but like equal? Because I think that's what you sort of need for a sequel, isn't it? Like you've got the hero, so who's who could you have to meet his match? And it's got to be, I feel like it's got to be someone his age, his rank. Do you know what I mean? Who would you who would you like to see turn up in Kingsman? That's a good question. I'll give it, I'll give it to the comeback king, um, Pucker first. Hmm. How old is he now? How soon is he about... 20... He's in his 20s. 20. He's got to be, hasn't he? Yeah, he's about 22, 23. <laughs> hmm. I'm just wondering who you could see, maybe. Because Ed Timber was so... I don't know. He was, he was pretty... Obviously, he was really good in the first one. Like, I was surprised. Because when he first came out, I just thought it was just going to be... Like, just loads of random stuff going out happening. But it just worked so well. It was just so enjoyable. And he just... 
he actually really worked the part really well and mm-hmm. had some good chemistry with Colin Firth. Not sure on the body because if they're struggling to picture me, they could actually play that was the same age could give a calibre of himself as saying like a villain. Yeah. You know what I'd love to see? Who? Jack O'Connell. Ooh, that's a good shout. That's a shout. Because they're around that age, aren't they? And he could play, actually play quite a good villain. He could be like a Kingsman that went rogue. That's not a bad it's been done before, it's like a rogue agent, but... What about, and he's a little bit older, but he could play younger, I guess, uh, Paul Dano. What is like some nutty, like, yeah. villain? Yeah, it's more brains than brawn. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be like, ones, he'd really. be like our era's Lex Luthor. Oh no, they've already done that. <laughs> 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 but no, in truth, that's like that's the sort of template. Is that what you're sort of looking at? What Lex Luthor style? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and I just think there's a, there's only certain type of people who, who can play a brute and still be um, so you know, that screen presence where you're a bit scared of them. Like Tom Hardy as Bane, I'd say. Yeah, it's quite hard to do. It's not. It's, it's not like you to mention a character from a Nolan film, Ross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, it'd, be, it'd be interesting if they use like Nicholas Holt how he was in Mad Max just like an absolute mental case yeah that's not bad actually that was a good shout what about a female what about somebody like Emma Watson playing a bad guy that'd be good because she could be like almost like a Bond girl because Bond girls nine times out of ten they're always trying to kill Bond aren't they yeah he beds them yeah. and then they're like cheers death um. <laughs> that would be pretty good there you go. Get Matthew Vaughan on the phone. Yeah, get him on the phone now. Yeah. He'll be tuning into this in a minute, don't you? Oh, yeah, obviously. He's like, <laughs> he's currently sat in his car. He's like, by God, so they've got it. About Kingsland, what, what did everyone think of the first film? Loved it. I think it's brilliant. Really? Yeah, I absolutely love it. I think yeah, it's yeah. one of my favourites of last year, by far. Oh, big shout. Big shout. Oh. I really enjoyed it, but like, a lot of people like you raved about it. Maybe I have to give it another watch, but like, I, I thought it was an enjoyable watch. About it. I think if you just strip back, like trying to overthink anything or anything like that, and just purely just go there just to enjoy it, it just becomes so better. Yeah. yeah. I think what it was for me was that even though I love Samuel Jackson, I just thought the way he played the villains wasn't really doing it for me. No. Like that bit in the church was great, but apart from that, not too much. Yeah. I don't think he he had enough of a threat, and that's why I think with the second one, you, your villain needs to be good. Your villain, every everything needs to be sort of doubled, doesn't it? In a sequel, that's the rule. Um, yeah. But I think it'd be interesting to see the pick because I'd love it if he was like, you know, he's like, Eggsy's like comfortable in the job, knows knows the ins and outs, and then someone turns up who's completely against the goes against the grain of what he's used to or what he's already dealt with. Um, so Paul Dano, I like that. Paul Dano's a good one. I didn't, I didn't expect that shit. I didn't expect that kind of angle. But I'm, I'm a big fan. He is good. He is good. Most, in that, do you know I haven't seen the Dano film in ages. I haven't seen the... Um, Love and Mercy. Beach Boys film. Brilliant. Seen. Brilliant. I've heard it's really good. He is really good in that. Really good. Because it... I, Dano, Emma Watson and Nicholas Holt in Kingsman 2 sold um, so folks if in a couple of years from now you see those names on the poster 
You're welcome. Um, what's next on the list? What have we seen otherwise that's gone, come and gone, sort of? Um, uh, just on the venture of sequels, it's just come out today, isn't it? They've released what they reckon is going to be uh, released in the next few years, and we've talked about it in previous podcasts, but Blade Runner 2 apparently is actually completely got given the go-ahead there to start filming this summer. Yeah, Sony have got the rights, haven't they? Yeah. They must Ryan, be... Have Ryan Gosling in it, and... Uh, Harrison Ford uh, coming back as Deckard but in a role that apparently doesn't come in until the third act they reckon something really? like that mate he's going to be they're going to be like rolling around like pigs in shit with that deal because yeah. you think like they've lost well they're going to lose the bond rights I think after this year um, yeah. they've not done too well with those emails that got out a while back so it's like <laughs> we need some money we need some money we need some money Blade Runner 2 boom as I said really Scott's not there but I'm, I'm quite excited by the double act that is Dennis Villeneuve and Roger Deakins. Oh, yes. Made Prisoners and Sicario. So they've had a fair bit of success so far. So yeah, we had like we had like, I don't know if you heard the podcast last week, mate, but we sort of had a group sort of gushing session over Sicario last week. I think. Oh yes, very very good, very good, very good. Um, I, I, I just saw Sicario this week. What do you think? Late to the party. Um, really liked it. I was just trying to compare it to Prisoners. Just shouldn't have done. And I'm going to say Prisoners wins for me. But oh. I, I thought she cut, look, what's what's great about Sicario was there's about three or four set pieces that were brilliant. Right. Uh, don't only give too much away, but obviously you, you guys know the, the yeah. traffic jam, best traffic jam you ever see. Um, the night vision and the the, the dinner more. table. Sorry. The dinner table. Where you just like, wow, this is the most uncomfortable meal I've ever sat down to. <laughs> what happened to happen? No. And I, sh- and I, sh- I don't know why, because really there's only, one, there's only going to be one outcome. Yeah. But I was like, what? That was it. <laughs> um, but as, I don't know why, like, as the story, even though it was much better than most of the films I've seen, I- I'm including it in last year, because it's still in January. Um, I just preferred Prisoners, but obviously the, I'd say Emily Blunt was brilliant, um, Josh Brolin brilliant, as you guys have been telling me for ages, Benicia Del Toro brilliant. Um, so <laughs> I yeah, love Ross's reviews. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So now I, I, just, I need to watch that. Was it Enemy? Jake Gyllenhaal. You don't, you don't. You'll probably have a nosebleed, Ross, from the confusion of it all. I promise you. Oh God. Yeah. I still may, maybe I'll see it at some point. But yeah, that's Sicario, top notch for me, but preferred Prisoners. I don't know, did, did you prefer Prisoners or Sicario? I don't know, man, that's tough. That's a tough one. They're, they're two different films, but that's just what I had in my head. Because I love Prisoners so much. Yeah, Prisoners was just... I just feel it's really underrated. Just mm. not much was said about it, really. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, wow. It's actually like a really, really good film. Yeah. I think I think with his career and the way he's going, particularly when Blade Runner Two comes out, people will backtrack and sort of check through the films he's done. And I think that's why that's why, you know, so occasionally some films do get second life thanks to people spotting them, spotting the people that you know, the filmmakers and they go on to do other stuff and it's like, you know, check back and see what he did. Um you know, I think I think the likes of we all we always mention him, but like you know, I think films like The Prestige and Insomnia 
you know what I mean? No, in truth, though, in truth, that's the only argument I could think of, or, or Memento, they worked because Nolan's Batman films. Like, before that, no one yeah. really knew who he was. Um, but, yeah, I just think that's... I think he should get more attention, because Prisoners is a great film. I don't know why I like Sicario more. I think it just feels more grand. I think, you know, you always... We, we, we discussed last week about how some directors struggle when they've got a budget behind them, and he's a prime example of someone who doesn't... Because, you know, you can see the difference in Prisoners and, and, and Sicario, I think. You know, there's obviously a lot, a couple more pennies put to the sec- to the um, to the latter. And yeah. he handled it, and he handles it beautifully. Like, that film is gorgeous, grim. And just Del Toro is so good in it. Like, I remember reading, even before, week before the film came out, that he was going to get his own solo-like sequel, just about him. And yeah. I was like, really? That's a lot of faith in a character that, you know, for a film that's... And it just didn't fit. It didn't work. Like... For a director to, of that sort of nature to go off and do a sequel about someone, it seemed it sounded quite strange. But now that I've seen it, like I actually want it. Yeah, yeah great film. Speaking of films that we haven't seen, Ross, um, did you fulfil your promise from last week? Remind me what the promise was again. Remember when you said you were like, "I'm going to watch *Pulp Fiction*. I can't stand. I don't have the time." Yeah, after last it. There's no right time. There's no right time. I put it on the pedestal. There's always time for *Pulp Fiction*. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that, but I think the first watch is the perfect time. And now the week has gone where there was no perfect time, unfortunately. But there was there was time for Sicario. There was time for Sicario. So what I haven't put on the pedestal yet. What do you need for Port Fiction, like scented candles and yes, paddles and stuff? Total silence. <laughs> I, need, no I need a 70mm projector and... Anything else? A foot rub, maybe, as I'm watching it. Where are you watching this film? I will watch it at some point. Um, I, I finally made time for Reservoir Dogs, mate, this week, as you well know. And? And? It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, in truth, it's it's a good film. Don't do it. No, hold on. <laughs> oh, my God. God forbid I don't like a film. Um... But it's very much, he's moved on from that. Do you know what I mean? As great as it is, he has moved on from that in like leaps and bounds. And I think watching it, I was sort of seeing, obviously it's Tarantino like to the core. And I think it would have been interesting to see. I would have loved to have been an audience member having almost like, the. I'd love to go back in time with the knowledge of where this director would go and then sit in a film in an audience and just see how they reacted. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's got its moments. Um, for a guy who did it on the budget that he did, I think there's a good reason why he shouldn't be in all of his films, though, because Jesus. Um, he just, I think, he reminds me of like, you know, in like a bug's life, when you see characters that are like moving dead fast and sort of dead fidgety, that's what he reminds me of some form of insect. I can't put my finger on which one. But he's very like, when he's talking about um, like a virgin, I was just like, just sit still. Please just sit still because you really did my head in. Um, but he's just like, it's the way he just talks and he's like, he, he he took me out of it. And I don't think it's even the fact that it is Tarantino because I don't know, but it just, it didn't. I, know, I, I felt the same with Django. I, I, I loved Django up until the last, I'd say, half hour. Yeah. And the turning point was for me, was unfortunately his cameo like from then on. But I love the film up to then. Um, 
but it's true, like, it kind of takes you out of the film mm. when you see him. Um, but away from that, Roosevelt, like, did, what, what else do you think? Because I quite like that it's Tarantino stripped back. You know, you get, you can see how talented this guy is. Yeah. And just to have, really, obviously, I know there's all the flashbacks and stuff, but just those people in a warehouse, and it goes from there. I just remember watching it just in awe. Especially Tim, that was like the first time that like, I really saw Tim Roth. I've been a big Tim Roth fan ever since. You see, mm, I was just like, yeah, he's all really? right. Yeah. No, I don't that's know. a shame. I think, I think Buscemi, I'll Steve... Possibly. Um, I think Steve Buscemi stuck out. Yeah. Um, it was weird to see him at that age and looking borderline human. Um, yeah. He doesn't look as much now. I don't know, disrespect to the man, great actor. But, you know, I remember reading an interview once that saying that um, him not fixing his teeth was the best thing he ever did because it, like, gave him his career. Um, but I think he's I think he's one of the strongest players in it, to be honest. Um but yeah, I just I don't know. Tim Roth's good in it. Tim Roth is good in it. Um, and I love the scene, the whole scene of the fake story about him going to the bathroom and the four coppers are in there with the German Shepherd. And yeah, he's like, you know, and you can see that like, I think it's great when you see sort of films come out before their time or before trends, and you see stuff from other films in there. You know yeah. him telling the story, and then it, it, the camera pulls around, and he's it's like he's talking he's talking to everyone else, obviously in the club. But when he's actually positioned in the bathroom, I just thought that was quite cool. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's all right. Um, I still can't see uh, Mister Blonde as anyone but Jesse's dad in Free Willy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's good. It's good. I'd still there's probably a handful of other films of hit of Tarantino's now that I'd rather watch. Jackie Brown's always underrated. Ooh, you see, no, I, I was watching Jackie Brown when, after a lot of people told me that it's the best Tarantino film, and I always heard the most underrated Tarantino film. And I liked it, but I just, I don't know, I think it's probably, it's a great film, but at the same time, from my least favourite Tarantino. I'm not sure what, it's something, something that I can't just put my finger on. De Niro's great, Samuel Jackson's great as always as he is in Tarantino's film but so now that I prefer Rest of Our Dogs and Inglorious and probably Django mm, you see Bastards is always my favourite now yeah, uh, Bastards just yeah. because just because it's the casting it's ridiculous for starters like it's amazing. Brad Pitt's, like, Brad Pitt's great. Don't realise that Fastbender just turns up. Yeah, Fastbender just. Oh. And nobody realises it. Anytime it's like the film's like like just sort of steady going along, and then Fastbender turns up, and it's like, <laughs> let's just take this up a notch, just because he's opened his mouth and words have come out. Um, just his, even, yeah, even like right. his mission brief, where he's like all the way down, sir. It's like, oh god, he's so cool. And like he's sharing a scene with fucking Mike Myers in prosthetics, and it's still amazing. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so good, so good, and I even love like Brad Pitt when he's talking to, um, oh God, the general of the of the troop, the, the kidnapped. Yeah. And he's like, son, we're in the killing Nazis business, and brother, businesses are booming. And I was just like, oh, you're so good in this, like, it's brilliant. He's so good, um, and he's like, 
And like Hugo, and like even little bits like this, the whole backstory of Hugo Stieglitz. And he's like, <laughs> everybody knows Hugo Stieglitz. Um, he's not been in the film since. Like, he was in Hugh Bowles' Far Cry film that they made, which was god awful. And he's not done a good <laughs> film since. All he has to do is turn up in it. Oh, I have no idea, but he's terrifying. Like, he'd make a great Bond henchman. I am going to. I forgot what the film he was in beforehand, but that. Um, I don't know if it was something with Sylvester Stallone. Uh, about the Formula One cars. He played the baddie in that, so to speak. Wow, I did not know that Hugo Stiglitz is also a Mexican actor for famous <laughs> for films in the 1970s and 80s. That's mm. definitely a flicking Tarantino moment, isn't it? Um, yeah, definitely. He's like, I've purposely put him in there. Oh, you mean Chill Schweiger? Yeah, that's the one. That's it, of course, yeah. Name was on the tip of my tongue, this whole conversation. It didn't match. I thought I saw him in something. Let's have a look. Where else he done? Mm, mm, yeah, you might be right. He's done Naffle, mate. Oh, yeah, there he is. The film called Driven with Sylvester Stallone. I remember that one. He's done Mission Draw. Christ, that was awful. I still haven't seen it. Probably one of the only Tom Hardy films I haven't seen. You're dodging a massive bullet there, my friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's not been in much. He's been in a lot of like German films, but nothing else. But yeah, he's so good in it. Yeah. He's in, he's in Muppets Most Wanted, Lindemann. Of course he is, yeah. That's <laughs> a German cop. <laughs> Quite a classic. Um, but yeah, that's all there for my favourites. My favourites. Um, Pocky, you watched anything, mate, recently that's stuck out for you? Um, I've just been really getting back into just watching some British realism films. Um, so I uh, mentioned before, I watched Dead Man Shoes, directed by uh, Shane Meadows. Right. And I just really, I just really got the flavour of just watching British realist films. So I just popped a bit of Alan Clark on, watched Scum, and then watched My Beautiful Laundrette as well with a very young Daniel Day Lewis that nobody knows was in it. Mm. Bless him. And, uh, yeah, as I say, yeah. Did he like work in Long Jeff for two years before taking the role? <laughs> <laughs> he, actually, he actually stitched all the production crew's clothes, washed them all as well, yeah. on a routine thing. Yeah, he brought his own, um, <laughs> own uh, <laughs> 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 This should be like, this should be like a Chuck Norris fan page. Like, you should write facts about Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> well, I, I kind of, like, miss... I don't know if like that kind of film like exists anymore. Where it's just like you got like the firm with Gary Oldman, and then don't talk to me about the Nicola ripoff because no. Because no. But just just those kind of films, just an attack on British, not so much an attack, but just realizing what British culture is or where mm-hmm. it's headed and how it's wrong and how films can influence that. So as I say, with my beautiful Andre in the nineteen eighties against Thatcher, everything like that. I just, don't, I just don't see that kind of thing. that just like grit like if you watch Scum then oh my god that is it's really cheery it's one for all the family <laughs> yeah that it, that takes a bit of watching that because yeah. it is bleak mm. and but that is what it almost depicts like the acting in it some might say it's wooden but it's, I think directors are more just like just do like you would normally yeah just real life just go like that like with Dead Man's Shoes like 
it's as much as horrible as it is all psychotic in some ways, it's just got the elements of comedy in there. Yeah. Just the goo when they're talking, and it's just it's just that realism that I absolutely love. There's a, there's a fucking elephant man outside. Yeah. <laughs> is, is it the best revenge film ever made? Is it what? Is it the best revenge film ever? Ever? I don't think ever. I've seen. I don't think I've seen enough to say that. Really? Do you? What do you think, Ross? Why have you asked uh, that? That's a good point you've made. But off the top, of my I've always loved their man shoes. So I'd say yes. Just, I haven't seen loads of Revenge films, but it's just something so simplistic to it. It's obviously just the Shane Meadows style, but I think Toby Kebbell's great. Paddy Considine's great. <laughs> Into my reviews again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Paddy Considine in that. There was just something unnerving about him. Like oh, God. Apart from the first bit. I think that's the only time he ever raised his voice above than his speaking voice. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, he's just when he's talking to the main uh, gangster, and he's just like, "I've got you." Oh, I'm mate. Only there. Honest to God. Just, uh, <sighs> Every time, like I remember watching that for the first time. It's one of the biggest best threats I've seen. It is just that it's unnerving. But like, that's what I mean. Send that to me. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is like get in your car and fuck off, and it's like yeah. I really think you should. <laughs> But I think that's a very rare thing as well to watch a film where you're scared of the hero. Like, you're genuinely scared of him. You're thinking, what is he going to do to these men? Like, usually it shouldn't be that way. You should be saying, yeah, you know, you've you've brought on yourself. What's he going to do next? And I think it's... I, I wouldn't even call him an anti-hero. I don't think he is. Like, an anti-hero is someone that you're completely against. Well, not against, but... I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a. Um, I don't know. What would you call it? Like a nemesis, like a, a villainous like trait to him. I don't know. He's not. He's not the Travis Bickle or anything like that. And he's not. He's just. A, it's a very odd, one of a kind character. I think. But that speech every time, mate. Like I remember watching it for the first time, in my room, all the lights were off, and I thought, I'm scared of a bloke sat against leaning against the wall. Just with a gas mask. Just, no, like just that. like that whole thing where he like puts his hand out and he's like, "You, I've got you in the palm of my hand," and he's just like, "Oh my god, get in your car and fuck off," and he's just like, "Oh," my, and his brother's like, just stood. I love that as well when he's like, "Go and stand over there," and yeah. he's, "Oh, it's brilliant, it's brilliant," and they drive off in that shitty car they've got <laughs> that looks like a tent on wheels. <laughs> um, but yeah, brilliant film, so good, so so good. Um, just I'd say a lot of the British realism films everything I absolutely love like Sherman has made This Is England and that mm. shocked a hell of a lot of people again as well just with what uh, he's very was in there he's got he's got a very good capability of making you feel uncomfortable like I remember in This Is England where Combo's talking to Milky yeah and he's yeah. like do you consider yourself English yeah or something does he say that or do you do I think yeah he's I good. think he's and it's just like it's the longest most uncomfortable pause and everyone like even like it's just like everyone sat there just like fucking hell like say something please say I know something. they've got two completely different styles but it, all, like, it reminds me of Scorsese a little bit with the whole like, am, am I think, funny am I funny yeah, yeah right. and there was um, in Black Mass the other day where they, it was kind of a rip off of that oh, thing yeah. Johnny Depp does the whole What's, what's the state? What, like, what'd you marinate it in? Found in secret. The one that the clip that got shown yeah. in the trailers. And it, it's just something about, it's true, it's that pause where 
What do you think? What do you think is one of your sort of most enjoyable, uncomfortable moments in a film where you've watched it and just been like, "Oh God, where's this going to go now?" <laughs> like, I think to be fair, perfect example actually, Sicario. Like, like when he sits down to that dinner table, you like death has come to your house. Like that man is going to do something, and you just. Again, a perfect example of a, of, a, of a character you've sort of followed and you can, you're terrified of his actions. Oh, my God, perfect example of another one. Um, Antoine Chega, like, this coin, this coin has found its way to you, like, heads or tails. And the bloke in the shop's like, what? It's like heads or tails? Yeah, just like, you for the whole scene, you're just like fidget in your seat, like, this is not good. Like, just say something. Um, oh, it's brilliant. Like, really got rid That's one of the most, like, he's just, a, he's another disturbing character, but he's a villain. Like, he's an undeniable villain. But, like, but yeah, the, the speech. What happens, and... there's. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I can't think off the top of my head. I can't think actually. I'm trying to think like mm. a few good men had me sort of at times where I was like uncomfortable. I love it. I love in a few good men where Jack Nicholson's character is like, "You'll address me as sir." And Tom Cruise is like, "What?" I think one of the, one of the films of Mysterious Skin that got me uncomfortable. I've never seen it. What, what's what's it about? Oh, Mysterious Skin's. Uh, it's got um, a very young uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in, and. It tells the story of how two boys was in the same baseball team but got sexually molested by their coach. And it shows two different stories. One, like how one person takes it and how another person takes it. And it shows like how one kid dreamt he was abducted by aliens and still can't get over the fact and it's really awkward. And then the other one turns to be a male prostitute. And the most uncomf- one of the most comfortest I've ever been was that he was like calling himself out basically and there was a guy who had HIV who picked him up bought him after that he took him to the bathroom started beating him over the head with like a full like tin of like washing powder and he was just horrible to see he was just so uncomfortable because the camera and mysterious skin it's just it's just so cramped and so close on everything yeah it just it, was just, it just felt really uncomfortable it was, it was like horrible in fact the way the way it was shot really good it's a really good film I was gonna say he was halfway through. He's like, "This isn't five hundred days." <laughs> I don't remember this. Speech wise, is um, uh, start screen on the phone. Oh, phew. yeah, that's good. It's great. I, I, I love that thing. I might watch it again tonight. Actually, before bed, you're brave. Yeah, no, just just a start, just, just a speech. Just a speech, and I'll go to sleep. Because <laughs> that's how Ross lives his life. <laughs> Watches terrifying conversations from serial killers and goes, well, night all. <laughs> um, I find it weird, though, that the horror genre is supposed to do this on a, like, a basis for every film, but not one of us can really think of a horror that's actually done that in recent memory. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. I mean... I like, said the genre might be... It's like, like the last one I could think of, maybe The Conjuring that was released, where it was a bit tense. Or oh, The Babadook, though. 
all Babadoo, actually, yeah. Did you so see that, Ross? I've, you know, no, I haven't. I mean, it's last year. I thought it's really good. It's not nice. It's not. Because yeah. the thing is, it's no. just how it. No, as in it's brilliant, but it's just, it's how it plays it. Would you not? Do you not agree, Pucker? Like you, yeah, it's, it's the first. It's been a while since you doubt it. You since you doubt what you're seeing. You know, horror films are, are simplistic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. The threat is clear. And as the film progresses, you're like, what is actually going on in this film? And, and they do it so well. It's just a slow burn, like he just cranks it up a notch every so often and then turns it up another notch and then it's just like, it's it's not what's happening, what's going to go on now? It's just so good. And to say it's just, essentially the majority of the film is just a two-piece two sort of film of just two characters yeah. working off one another, a mother and a son, and it's just unsettling man-like. I think the kid makes it worse. He yeah. just unsettles the whole audience all the time. I'm scared of him. <laughs> He's very much like they've they, they found the perfect kid to like. That's the one you sort of put in the corner of the classroom away from everyone else. Has like yeah. safety like pencils. Yeah, you you know he's he's the one that's got safety pencils and like always wears mittens all year round. <laughs> yeah, but it's such a good film. Definitely worth a watch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, I've got I've got a slow pile growing in terms of films now to to stick on. Um, <laughs> Have you, done, have you done any um, recent cinema trips then, boys? Oh, what did I, have I done it since? I don't think I've been since we last spoke. I was meaning to go last night to see, it was the choice between The Revenant and The Big Short. And in the end, we went for The Big Short because of time. But we didn't go in the end, which is really annoying. Um, but there's so much to see, so little time, and I keep not going, which is annoying, because I know I'm probably going to go and nothing's going to be there. It's going to be some rubbish film that obviously was too rubbish to make the Oscar season oh, and God, um, like, so many like got Room Big Show uh, Spotlight isn't out yet over here I couldn't find it it's out this um, week it's out tomorrow yeah. you want to see The Revenant I've got to admit The Revenant I wanted, when the first trailers came out I wasn't actually too fussed about it I thought oh everyone's raving about it and I'm not too sure. This whole natural light, and it was, I mean, it was just the first, how the first trailer was cut. Yeah. And I've, I've heard some mixed reviews on it, but I really want to see it just for DiCaprio and Hardy. Um, but I'm, it's just one of those things. Do I, you know, when you think of going to the cinema at night, it is difficult to think, oh, do, am I, do I really want to sit through, am I in the right frame of mind to sit through The Revenant? Yeah. So there's no, again, there's no right time to see it. I've just got to like, bite the bullet and see it. I don't know if any of you have seen it yet. I've not seen The Revenant. I saw Big Short on Friday. Actually, one of my friends saw it and he said, good, but too technical. Yeah. It's weird, like, it's brilliantly structured in terms of, one, it's just impressive because this is the guy that gave us boats and hoes. Um, <laughs> genuinely. Yeah. The man that gave us boats and hoes and prestige worldwide, wide, wide, um, directed The Big Short. And it's just like... This is weird because it's very serious at times. You know, it's funny as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, and you can—it's quite clear that it's written by um, the same guy that did uh, Moneyball. Um, and it's, it's that capability of being able to tell a very dull story, mm-hmm. but making it into something quite interesting um, at the same time. However, the difference is with Moneyball. I just think—I don't know if it's because it was more simplistic in terms of its. Um, if it's just story, you know, it's just about baseball and everyone can sort of relate to it because we've, whilst, whilst we're not massive fans of it over here, 
mm-hmm. we've seen enough baseball films to know the game, if that makes sense. Whereas yeah. with Stocks and Wall Street, it was just a, quite a few times it went over my head. However, there are great moments that are sort of drizzled in between where um, with all these like different names for certain stocks and certain actions and deals being explained, they throw in Margot Robbie sat in a bathtub yeah. explaining it. Which, it's just really random, but it works. And you think, oh, that's quite clever. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, Michael Lewis is the guy that wrote the original book, and he wrote the book for um, he wrote the book uh, he wrote Moneyball, the original book, and The Blind Side as well. Okay. Um, but with this, it just seemed a bit too dense for me. It was just a bit too thick in its in what was going on. And by the end of it, I was thinking, I know something bad's happened, but I'm not quite sure what. Yeah, Steve Carell, um, there's a really good moment that sort of stuck out for me, where he's he's very much a character that's, he's bitter, he's not necessarily, I, I don't know, he's he's very conflicted in his aim, because he's sort of wanting to go back against the banks and, and sort of mess things up that they've tried to do, and he sort of sticks it out for as long as possible, um, and his, his sort of backstory as to why he's the way he is, is, is you know, quite heavy. Um, and it's based on a real life sort of character, and there's a great scene between him and um, Marissa Tomei, who's you know her and Ryan Gosling, obviously crazy stupid glove. I was like, oh, that's nice, nice to see them all yeah. together. But there's a really great scene between him and her, where he just sort of breaks down in front of her, and it's really you know I think there's been few occasions. I think crazy stupid love he had it where he, you know there's very clearly an emotional side to him. As funny as he is, mm. um, it sticks out in this. Yeah. Um, I think you see it quite a lot in The Office, to be truthful. Like, there's quite a few moments that, you know, Michael Scott is, like, a great, great character. And I know some people are like, Office UK or death. But um, he's great in it, man. And he's great in this. Um, I think he's the sort of winning sort of card in it. Christian Bale's good, but Christian Bale could be good reading a shopping list. Like, I'd still watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and he's very he's very much one of those characters well in this particular he's a character that is completely separate from everyone else like he's he gets the ball rolling of this discovery that they've made um, Ryan Gosling's great in it mm-hmm. um, um, but yeah is what it Pitt? Pitt is just Pitt Pitt can just dip out and dip in and out of anything can't he oh, I love Pitt I just think he's great I'd love to go for a pint with Brad Pitt and David Beckham, and we just that, that sort of put great. the worlds to rights. <laughs> Back in the middle of them two, but it's, it's interesting what you say with Steve Grell because because don't you find that these like comedic actors when they have something serious to take on, um, get the teeth into, into normally they're great. Like Steve Grell's doing some great stuff. I remember um, the name, oh, what is it? The one with Sam Rockwell and it's the stepson. Um, the way way back. That's it. That's it. That's He's it. an absolute wanker in that film. He is. He is. And you wouldn't think Steve Carell could be like that, but he plays it so understated and so well. And as you said, crazy, crazy, uh, stupid love, Foxcatcher. Um, I've got a sweet spot for Foxcatcher. Didn't really get much love. Yeah, when we were talking about moments that made you uncomfortable, Steve Carell in the whole love film made me <laughs> quite uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Especially when he's like wrestling with them and trying to throw them on the floor. 
I'm just yeah. like, this is really uncomfortable because, like, what's he going to do after this? Because if you know the backstory <laughs> to the film, then you know what's coming and you're like, what triggers it? It's and to, to be fair, like a lot of people who would have tried to play that role with the, the amount of prosthetic makeup would have probably gone over the verge into comedy. And even though he was, well, it's just awkward comedy. And even though he's a comedic actor, he kept it on the right side. And it's true, like that, that film, a lot of people didn't like that. I guess they thought it was too slow or too much for an American story. But he is really, really unnerving. Um, and there was one other that I'm trying to think that I can't remember now that it was very good in. Um, but it's the same as like Adam Sarno when he does serious stuff like Rain Over Me. I love that film. You love that film too much, Ross. <laughs> I always mention it because it was just one of those, I just had such low expectations when I went in. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And, you know, Adam Sarno doing something like really serious. And he's brilliant, brilliant. Um, and I haven't seen Jobs yet, so I'm not sure it's, it's Seth Rogen, what, what he was like in Jobs. Um, but it's like Jonah Hill, like when he does all the serious stuff, he's brilliant. I probably prefer all of them doing the serious stuff in their comedies. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. I think it, it does help some, some actors that have you know started out as that. I mean, could you really imagine that the guy from the young lad from Superbad is now a two time Oscar nominee? It's mental, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You look at it, you're like the guy, the, the guy we laughed at because he got period blood on his leg is now like in the running for Oscars. I just think it's mental. Um, but yeah, you know, funny guys, I suppose, funny guys have that, like, they're a bit more heightened in terms of emotion than others. I don't know. I don't know if that's just a bit of a stretch or what. But I mean, prime examples like Robin Williams, like, Robin Williams had some great performances in his day. Like, one hour photo is unsettling, man. Oh. That is horrible. You know, I still will never be able to erase the sight of him sat on a toilet from my head. Like, I don't just... have to get rid of his like bleeding photo reel film out of his eyes. What <laughs> the hell's going on? I am tripping major balls here. Um, <laughs> but you know, like the genie's following people. I'm not a fan of this. Why is Miss Doubtfire stalking that family? Um, but yeah, like you know, they just have it, and I think. You're right, Ross. Like it's great to see them do more of that, um, yeah. and it would be interesting. I mean, I don't know if there've been a lot of actors that have sort of started off in comedy and swayed further and further into that and just stuck there. Um, I think McConaughey's kind of did it a bit. Do you think? Well, he started off in a lot of rom coms, a lot of. Yeah, but they were just shit stuff. films. There's a difference between just turning up in shit films and then being good. Yeah, like true. he did, he did a Time to Kill. Which is a great film, and then for years he just did shit, and then suddenly it was like, "Hey, I've got this script called True Detective. Do you want to get stuck in?" And he was like, "All right, all right, all right." Um, <laughs> and it's just like, oh god. But it's something that um, so I watched something else I watched this week was Donny Brasco for the first time. And have you seen it? Oh yeah. And it was like we always say it, Johnny Depp when he does when he doesn't have to dress up. And do you know all the characters that he always does? Mm. He he's brilliant. Like when he's just so understated, mm. and he just pulls it off. Like it's up against Pacino, and uh, the as you said, the dad from Free Willy. <laughs> <laughs> now you said that every time I see Michael Madsen, I'm just gonna think of that. <laughs> I don't know if he sees himself as a comedic actor or like, I know it's good fun and all those really extroverted characters. Mordecai is not fun. 
<laughs> it was fun for no one. <laughs> that is not fun. That is a car crash. In the space of weeks in Black Mass, where he knows him loads of prosthetics, he's playing so that. Again, he's really unnerving in that. Um, and then something like Donnie Brasco, where you, you, you just believe he's you know, trying to be this wise guy. Right, just don't do any more <laughs> Wonka stuff. Stop <laughs> being a Wonka. No one can. Yeah, no more costumes, Johnny. <laughs> right, again, right, obviously, I'm not sure if you've even cast him as a comedic actor or not, or more of a serious actor, if that's the right term. But I just think they're just so good at playing serious stuff, you just want them to do it more. But then, what do you make of like. Do you think, like, does it annoy you when you see De Niro in, like, Bad Grandpa? Oh, God, yeah, so bad. Or Dirty Grandpa, is it Dirty Grandpa? It's Dirty something. Grandpa. Yeah. But I, I read a, um, I can't remember where it was, it was from the Kermode and Mayo uh, Facebook page. They, they uh, shared this De Niro article about how he should be all, like, his last eight films, apart from, that like, two of them have been really big flops. And it was really, um, it was just, I just thought it was really unfair. It's basically saying... He should have retired about ten years ago and lived on a yacht somewhere. <laughs> that's a bit, um, like, that's a bit ages. In that, I think in the article it said we're not being ages, and it was like you definitely are. Being ages. <laughs> <laughs> like, if he wants to work, like if he still is, enjoys it, that's what he wants to do. Then fair play to him. But you just think, why? Like, does he get the script? Like, I haven't seen Bad Grandpa, so it could be brilliant, and I hope it is. I'm a big Zac Efron fan as well. I think he's quite underrated. He's the next De Niro. <laughs> he does a good De Niro Do you think even Zac Efron's like, really? (laughs) (laughs) We've got De Niro, you're winding me up. (laughs) (laughs) It's like me, High School Musical is going to be in a film with Don Corleone. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Me and Travis Bickle in a film together. This doesn't make any sense. Um, But I think, yeah, you're right. I think with him, though, because I was quite bitter for quite a few years. Like after I've seen enough fuckers films to be like, mate, come on now. I've had enough of these fuckers. I've had enough of these fuckers. But I think with him, it's a difference because I think he's got enough under his belt to just be like, you know what, you do what the hell you want because you're Robert De Niro and we'll still go and see it because you are Robert De Niro. Um, and I think when he actually pulls out a surprise film that somewhere down the line that no one prepared for, they'll be like, this is why we still watch De Niro films. Don't know when that day will come. Well, like something like Silver Lion's Playbook is very good in. Yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't De Niro at his best, was it? Like, no, still solid like, proof he could phone in a performance and still be amazing, yeah, but not enough. Um, but yeah, maybe that day will one day come. But lads, I think the clock is slowly, slowly letting towards midnight. So I think we should call it a night. Because um, Rossi's a bit fidgety and he looks a bit tired, so I think I'm we should. Uh, we should hear uh, Because it was on a bit of horrors, just one film to maybe look out for, because I'm just hearing a lot of good buzz already from Toronto Film Festival. There's a film called Southbound. Right. It's like, because there's how much 
the anthology series has kicked off with American Horror Story and everything like that. Yeah. This film is actually an anthology horror of five different like tales interweaved into one about a group of travellers like stuck on like a uh, on a desert stretchway. But everything that I've read about it and everything all the press that it's got that critics seem to be thinking that it's actually a really um, really good uh, film and if anybody's seen like VHS everything is VHS is not that bad of a horror film for what it is and uh, the director from there I think is it uh, David Bruckner he does Southbound so I think he's one just to keep an eye out for yeah. uh, is anyone knows, uh, part of the class is it completely um, unknown yeah, it's completely unknown. Great. You see, this is the great thing about Booker. He does his he does his Avenger like cameo, right? Turns up in our yeah. podcast, drops a few morsels, and then goes on his way, and we don't see him <laughs> again for like months. And then he right. comes back and does it again. I say, I've just been looking at films like the Sundance one, uh, Birth of a Nation's obviously been receiving rave um, things, and everybody's been fighting over that for the rights of it too, like. Release it and everything. I want to see Green Room. That looks great. Have you seen that? No, no. About a band. I, I, so I've just been scanning like a couple through the Sundance nominations and everything like that. Green Room's about a band tra- stuck in, would you believe it or not, Green Room as a bunch of Nazi skinheads led by Patrick fucking Stewart are outside <laughs> trying to get in. So leave that as leave that as you want, but Captain Picard, <laughs> Captain Card is out for blood and he's not too happy about it. Um but yeah, there's a few random morsels um, and selections to, to, to dip your bread in, hopefully somewhere down the line, folks. Um, but before now and then, we will hopefully be doing another podcast, preferably next week when our technician Tom's back and we are all four together. Because at the moment, I'm starting to believe that Tom and Pucker can't be in the same podcast at the same time. <laughs> so they may very well be the same person. We are an enigma. But for now, this is where we'll draw it to a close, ladies. So give your best exit, Ross, right now. Um, oh, we've got on the spot. Join us again next week. <laughs> <laughs> so chipper. Most enthusiastic people because he's leaving. <laughs> Pucker, sign us off. Um, I've, so I guess in a true um, Eddie style from Friends, see ya, pals. <laughs> 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 on that note, have a good day. Take care, folks.